This is a story of loss and the life thereafter. This is my story. Losing my mother when I was seven changed everything. For me, my brother, my sister, it changed all of us in development, emotionally, and in many other ways that you might expect. It affected us financially. But what was not expected, what was weird and awful to me, was what happened to me physically, or maybe what didn't happen. From about age seven to about age 17, I essentially did not grow. I did, of course, older and eventually normalized and grew. I became an attorney, a federal prosecutor, and handled some cases that you've heard of. Those cases were famous or infamous, depending on who you talk with. And maybe for me, I'm the same, famous or infamous, depending on who you talk with. I believe that bad things, big bad things in our life, remain as a shadow which follows us. Only when we stop and look back at that shadow and deal with it can we move on. After all, it's just a shadow. I look forward to having you with me in this series. Before I move on from that day, the day when we saw our mother sitting in that chair, doing the best she could, I'm sure, to have the chance to see us one last time. Let me please tell you a few more things that happened. All these things I saw except one. I didn't see what happened during the night following that. And I only know this because my father told me many years later in the year that he died. So after we saw her in the chair, Night came, and at some point in the night, my father got up in the bed with my mom, right up next to her, with his head hugging her on her chest, and he was so close he could hear her heartbeat, like a child laying up on its mother. That was my dad, on my mom. And my dad said to my mom, I'd trade places with you if I could. I'd trade places with you if I could. My mom said to him, Dying is the easiest thing I've ever done. You have the hard job. You've got three kids to raise. And after she said that, he heard the last beat of her heart. She was gone. And the three kids, my sister who was 14, my brother who was 10, and me, I was seven. We were upstairs in the same house, and we knew nothing. We did not know that she had been dying for months as the cancer had spread across her body. And when daylight came through the windows of our house, Two people came up the stairs into the room where my brother and I were sleeping. They were my mother's best friend and a preacher from the church. Tom, Bill, they said, wake up. Your mother's gone. I, I didn't know really what that meant. I just 
lifted my head up for a few seconds and thought about it, and I couldn't figure it out. As I said before, after our mom died, if there was a predominant feeling amongst us, well, then my sister was sad. My brother got mad. And I... I was, uh, I was too young to put a finger on it. I was mostly lost. The next day, my father sent me and my brother down to the neighborhood barbershop to get our haircuts for our mother's funeral. It must have been a nice day, pleasant weather, because when we went in the barbershop, the door was left open. It was actually propped open. And we were sitting in the chairs across from the barber, waiting on our turn. And we could see out the door, which had been held open. And a boy on a bicycle rolled up slowly so that he was even with the open door. And the boy's name was Jimmy, and he lived across the street from us, and he was my brother's age. At the open door, the boy said to my brother, Tom, I know what you're going through. My brother immediately said, shut up, and called him by name. She called him by his last name. Get out of here. And the boy quickly balanced himself on his bicycle, and he sped off. That bothered me immediately, what my brother said to him. And what I did not know at the time, because I was a bit too young and would not have been told this, but what my brother did know was that the boy did know what we were going through. He did know what we were going through. About a year prior, and it was before we moved into that neighborhood, the little boy and his brother were climbing up in a house that was under construction. It was the one next door to us. And the boy's brother fell from some scaffolding on the second floor. And he fell downstairs and it killed him. So he did know what we were going through. And all the more harsh were my brother's words to him. I can't imagine what that boy felt. Being mad set in quickly on my brother. No one knows how these things work, but... I'll say that the second my mom died, it set in on him. In some ways, with my mother's last heartbeat, my, my brother's heart began to miss a beat. And I have wondered why he was so mad, and he stayed mad. And I've begun to figure it out. Why was he mad at the whole world? From what I later learned, my mother and my brother were especially close. Now, my brother was of a bit of a different character. I don't know really how I mean that. He was just different. He was a different kid. And one of my mother's sisters told me many years later, your mom had your brother figured out. That's why they were so close. So then, when our mother died, my brother lost the only person in the world who truly understood him.
you see. He lost the only person in the world that would ever understand him. It is so important, I think, to be understood. I think it comes in a close second to being loved. Wouldn't we all be better off if we had just one person in our whole life that truly understood us? If we can be truly understood down to the core of our being, I think it gives a person who understands us a reason or a way or the opportunity to forgive us. If we understand how someone ticks and maybe why they made certain mistakes in their life, it's easier to forgive them if you get them, if you understand them. And it might also, if we're really understood by someone and therefore understand ourselves, I think that it might also give us a reason to forgive ourselves, maybe sometimes. There's another reason that my brother had a really tough time after my mom died. Although he and I have never really talked about our mom at all or that time, my sister did tell me years later something that really hit me about my brother. I've told you about my mom sitting in that chair with her eyes looking straight ahead the thin white seam of milk between her lips. I described that to you. I now know that when my brother saw our mom looking like that, he was frightened. Her look, and she couldn't help it. She couldn't help it. She was barely hanging in there. But her look frightened my brother so badly that he couldn't get himself together to talk to her or to hug her, though that was exactly what he wanted to do. What's the matter, Mom? He probably would have said. Are you okay? But he couldn't. Instead, he was rendered as a statue. And he never saw her again. So forever he lived with the guilt of not telling her he loved her. Or saying, don't go, Mom. Many years, you see, I've tried to figure my brother out. <laughs> Many years ago at my dad's funeral service, I did most of the speaking and thought I was really honoring my dad and thought I was so articulate. And I probably did an adequate job. But I spoke for probably 10 or 15 minutes about our dad. And then my brother popped up out of his seat with his long, wild hair and a ponytail. And he came to where I was, standing up in front of everyone at a bit of a little podium. And my brother said, My father never spanked me, although I was a very spankable child. And he sat down. And everyone understood my brother and my dad then. 
and it told more than a whole book could about both of them. As for me, losing my mother like that, I've tried to think of a way to describe it. As if I were on a stage, maybe like at an elementary school where they have a little, you know, a little stage that the kids perform their plays and spelling bees and such. And they have some of the look of a real stage. So maybe what this was for me, it was as if I were on that stage in between a little break in the curtains. And when my mom died, by some accidental and horrible and blameless force, the curtains fell. They fell from a great height, and they dropped and draped across my shoulders. And the one that draped across my left shoulder, that one was fear. The other curtain, it fell hard across my right shoulder, and it was called need. The cloth of the curtains had no real texture that I felt, no smell, no color, maybe a sepia tone, if anything. They were not cold or hot. They were just heavy. It was a weight too heavy for a boy. The weight of fear was somewhat simple as I look at it. The weight of need, more complex. Fear. What was the fear? It was the fear of losing another. Top priority. Top priority. My father. Never lose my father. I had a temporary fix to that one. I had a temporary solution. Almost every morning, my dad had a routine. He would go into the bathroom, and as part of his routine, he would go in there, and he would shut the door, and he would shave with the water running, and then he would take a shower. So, my plan. When he would go into that bathroom, when I would hear that, and the door would shut, and the water would start running, I would go and curl up like a cat just outside the door. He didn't know I was there. I absorbed every sound, every sound, the water, the swish of the razor being cleaned in the water, my dad clearing his throat, perhaps a cough, and then he would turn on the shower, and I was at peace. In there were the wonderful sounds of life in my dad. It was the only thing I wanted. I had it right in there. It was the only thing I needed to be right there on that floor. When the shower was turned off, a miniature wave of horror would come over me. Just for a second. Just for a second. And then I had to go. I had to get on my way. 
find something to wear for school.